0: 2024 is kicked off for Disney Lurkana metagame. Ruby Amethyst is still your top dog. However, there are lots of little things to talk about. Some really interesting tech, a new deck making a true splash, and a bit of versatility and diversity in certain events that we can find around the nation. This weekend, we hosted two events at Star City Games Con, in Cincinnati, Ohio, they had a 2K with 95 players, a 1K with 63 players, and then Thea Boyson hosted an online free event that was a 1K cash prize that had 282 players on Pixelborn over the course of two days. Lots of discuss, lots of cool cards to break down, and some nice new tech inside of all sorts of different decks. Let's get into it. The top eight decks this week come in as... Ruby Amethyst once again on top, Amethyst Steel hanging around, making a big splash and a comeback from a week where it was kind of on the down. Then we just have a bunch of stragglers, in all honesty. (laughs) Uh, One Sapphire Steel that did finish as a runner-up in the 282-player event hosted by Thea, Emerald Steel, Amber Amethyst, Amber Steel, Amber Ruby, and Sapphire Ruby all finishing with one top eight on the weekend. Shouldn't be too shocking to you to honestly at this point still see this many Ruby Amethysts in top 8s. The biggest event, with 282 players, had 7 Ruby Amethysts in top 8 alone with 1 alone Sapphire Steel that did manage to get to the finals of that event and come up honestly a turn short from winning it. But alas, Ruby Amethysts still completely dominating everything else. This week, in the polls, you could add up every single other deck there, and this actually does tip it. There is no 50-50 split. It's more than everything in terms of top eights. Just a lot more of Amethyst decks. However, this week, I will say, there were even more variations and even more interesting cards, including in in those Ruby Amethyst decks. So, let's start taking a look at some of this stuff. Shout-out to Chad Clare on Twitter, at ZykonTCG. He was the man on the ground in Cincinnati reporting both top eight breakdowns for the 2K and the 1K. This was the 2K breakdown here, as you can see. Three Ruby Amethyst Control, one Ruby Amethyst Rush Evasive Control, Steel Aggro, one Amber Steel, two Amethyst Steel Controls. This was the list that Chad played. He played Ruby Amethyst. He was one of the control decks. He finished in top four, in which they split. Uh, Honestly, this list looks quite similar to the majority of the list that we've seen throughout this uh, weekend and the past coming weeks. There's nothing too crazy here to, you know, really break down. A lot of just straightforward decision-making. You know, this deck is probably a more stock list for the deck. But as I keep kind of telling people the real thing that matters and the most consistent part of the deck is just its core. So honestly, about 30 to 40 cards of this deck are probably always going to be the same. And then the last 20 cards are going to be a mesh of different numbers and different options. But the majority of your games that you're going to win are going to be from that 40-card core. You know, the, the obvious Amethyst, Merlin's, and Madam's Package. The Maleficents, the Olafs, the Minis, um, you know, to an extent, the Lady Trimmings and the Mauis, like all of those cards are probably always going to be in a version of this deck. And then the other 20 cards are going to be where you're mixing and matching. And majority of the games are just going to be one on the merit of the core of the deck. And yes, there's definitely going to be times where the tech cards will show, but realistically the core of this deck is just so very powerful and that's why you're going to consistently see these decks show up more and more. Uh, shout out to Mike Walters. Also reached out to us on Facebook. He was another top four member here. This was his version of the Ruby Amethyst. As you can see, he had Dragonfires and Elsas and Spellbook. So a little bit different than the other deck. He also had Yizmas. Um, the key thing when I was speaking to him about his matchups is that he played Dragonfire because he won it. Another on, you know, another answer to sad emo beast from Steel. This was a great way to do it because he had seen an uptick in Amethyst Steel decks. And then if you look at the top eight, there was two of them in top eight. So I assume there was more of them being played also in the event. So the dragon fires likely came in handy for him all day, along with the two yizmas as being kind of an offset answer to it. Not the best answer. Hopefully you're more often than not. Uh, use mean your own cards in this deck, but those are the key differences between Mike and Chad's decks from the top four. Both of these players finished in top four. Now, let's get into something a little bit different. I thought this was the more intriguing list that I had been able to find from SEG Con Cincinnati. Bodyguard Bounce. Uh, this is a Amethyst Steel aggro deck utilizing the bodyguards like Hercules and the Prince. To protect a lot of high lore, low converted mana cost characters here. In the form of Maleficent, Biting Her Time, Pinocchio Star Attraction, The Huntsman. Uh, you know, doing a lot of really interesting things along with the evasive package of Pascal, of course. Still being an Arthur deck as well. This deck really was intriguing. As you can see, this list has no actions, no items, 60 straight characters, similar to some of the Mufasa decks we have seen. So this deck is very much play my guys and protect them at all costs, utilizing cards like the Hercules, the Prince, and even to the other extent, Donald Duck. If I were looking to upgrade this deck in any way, uh, I would look at Captain Hook first, consider if Tiana might be better just because the hook at, you know, in certain mirrors is probably mostly always in ink, where Tiana's at least some lore. I don't think you're really ever trading too often, um, and even if you are trying to trade into, like, opposing snakes and things like that, you probably are have already lost a character. This deck's not utilizing uh, Pinocchio either to exert certain characters to get the use out of Captain Hook, so I think I would just trade Captain Hook in for the Tiana 1-3, so I'm not just being able to get rid of by um, teeth and ambitions and let the storm rage on and things like that. Aside from that, you know, I, it's really tough to say. I have not played a single game with this deck. I really thought it was interesting. I think it's a definitely a different take. I think it's something we haven't really seen before in the metagame. And I, I am very intrigued to see if uh, you know, if more decks like this can be successful within the metagame. It's really cool to see a new type of deck like this. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Prince I do think he's probably underplayed in the game. I play him a bunch in Emerald Steel. Uh, I have yet to get to the point to try him in, you know, the Amethyst Steel list. I'm also not really playing this much of an aggressive version, but definitely a very, very different take from what we've been seeing having success. 95 play player tournament, finished in top four. Definitely a deck to, you know, maybe really load up and pick some more and give it a shot. Uh, I think it's, I think it's an interesting one for sure. So we'll have to see. Here is the more control eccentric top uh, steel amethyst decks that we've been seeing recently be successful on pixelborn ladder, been some reports of it from other events around the nation. What I find really interesting about this particular list is only two Merlin rabbit and three Merlin goats. We're really trying to make room for other things going on in the game. And I, I honestly can really understand that. I think that this deck is a really hard deck to get to 60 cards and you have to make some really crucial decisions. And when you're playing a character like Blue Fairy, who is innately good in this ink combination because of so many powerful Floodborne characters, this list alone has 18 Floodborns in it. So Blue Fairy is just online from turn four on in the game. She's also a wonderful character to play post-Be Prepared. If you could just, you know, start with a Blue Fairy and then play an Emo Beast, after the first Be Prepared, you automatically draw a card, and now they have to figure out a way to get rid of your Blue Fairy. You can draw more cards. Every other time you're going to play a floodborne after that, you get to draw more cards. This is a, a very, very powerful card in this particular list, especially when you can keep it protected and keep it around. The Evasive is definitely not gone unnoticed. Uh, the key thing for me in this list is actually the two cost Jafar, an alternate version of Smash. Uh, obviously, Smash is the best answer for minimass surfer, but little Jafar can definitely be that as well. Having the ability to shift and then you know eat a snake is also really great because. They might be expecting your Jafar to, you know, just trade with it. And then you're able to floodborn in uh, to the Dreadnought, take out a snake, draw a card, leave your Dreadnought in play. I think that's all really great if you can get away with those lines. Uh, I do think Jafar is, you know, definitely a hard character to play. I know not every, you know, every deck is playing Teeth and Ambitions or they're not necessarily keeping it in hand for certain matchups. So they might row one early knowing the type of deck you are and then you can kind of cheat in a Jafar and try and get away with it but I do find that it's probably one of the more greedy characters to play in this deck and I think it's a safe spot that if you are uncomfortable with the two willpower character you can probably trade that in for um something else that with a little more sturdy uh Prince Eric is normally the go-to in that slot this deck really is um an Elsa Tinkerbell deck at the end of it I I, I love everything about this deck it's one of my favorite decks in the game I think it's a very difficult deck to play well, and I think that's probably why you've seen less success from this as opposed to Ruby Amethyst. Uh, That's a little more straightforward gameplay. I believe this deck was played by Barrett Estridge. If I am wrong, I apologize, but I think that's what it was reported as. Uh, Huge shout out to you. Great deck. Great look. Um, Really exciting to see this deck be more and more successful. I really don't think it's an easy deck to pick up. I think that this is a deck that you kind of enjoy and you like the play style. I think you really need to commit time and effort to playing this deck as best as it possibly can be played. So let's take a look at the 1K decks. Con Cincinnati also hosted a 1K on Sunday. It was reported by Chad Clare, again, 63 players, and the top eight breakdown was 2 Amethyst seal controls, one amber amethyst aggro, one ruby amethyst control, one ruby amethyst Arthur control, one emerald m am- emerald steel discard, one popsicle deck, ruby sapphire, and one amber ruby Mufasa, which you can see on screen here. This was a top four deck in that event. Shout out to Chad again. I think uh he played very well this weekend. Back to back top fours is incredible. Definitely, you know, not an easy thing to do for anybody to be able to, you know, go back to back in separate events uh, at conventions like this. And, you know, explicitly in events that are 60 plus players, uh, you know, going back to back is, is definitely a huge accomplishment. And thanks so much to Chad for sharing this information again. I think the Amber Ruby Mufasa deck is definitely a deck that we've been able to talk about more and more. It's had some success uh growing numbers It obviously wasn't successful in the 95 player event but chad decided to audible to a new deck to play something different and was able to find a way back into the top eight i think a lot can be said about players like that uh in all honesty it could kind of be said that hey chad's a good player he can play majority of the decks in the meta game and maybe he could have top eight it with any of these decks can't be sure, but to go from Ruby Amethyst to Amber Ruby, the play styles are ver- very, very different. So definitely uh, an attribute to the player here for sure. Being able to like flip the script and just say, I'm going to play an entirely different deck. Uh, as for the deck itself, I think it's a pretty straightforward list. I don't think there's anything too crazy or too different to really break down about it. Uh, the queen, uh, you know, the 2-2 with... Rush might be the real core difference of a character that you don't see as often in these lists, or honestly, as often in Ruby list at all anymore. But other than that, I think it's a pretty straightforward list, and I think it's clearly uh, a successful one for him. And it's really pretty similar to most of the Amber Ruby decks I would say that we have seen recently. So, congrats again, Chad, and seriously, thank you for all the reports this weekend. We really do appreciate it on the channel here. If you're enjoying the content so far smash that like button for me. Uh, I want to say huge shout out to SEG con, you know, first weekend of the year coming out, supporting Lurkana, taking it under its wing, having 95 players and 63 players sign up in your events is phenomenal. It's a really great Testament uh, for anyone that doesn't know. doesn't really follow, follow star city games. They also had hosted a 20 K magic, the gathering event. That event only had 221 players. So if 95 players played in Lurkana on the same day as that 21, is that 20K, that speaks volumes about our game. And everyone should be really excited and looking forward to the organized play announcement from Robinsberger. I know I am. I'm super excited. But if you don't know, in a couple weeks, SCGCon Hartford is coming up. Uh, I believe it's February 2nd through the 4th. I will be there with a lot of the TFM team. We're very excited to drive up and play in the event. It's a 5K. There's actually three events. There's a 1K on Friday, a 5K on Saturday, and a 1K on Sunday. Lots of Lorcona to be played that weekend. I am truly excited. If you're going, hit me up in the comments and let me know. Uh, Seriously, can't wait to see everybody there. Let's get into the next event. Happy New Year's event was 282-player 1K hosted by... Thea Beastie on Twitch. I will put her link in the description below. But it was also ran by Zach Bibbins, which is a friend of ours on Twitter. I'll put his link in the description below. And it was all hosted from utilizing the Lorcana Play Network. Uh, for, you go- for you guys that are unfamiliar with the Lorcana Play Network, they are kind of trying to be um, a melee.gg as an example. It's a place where tournament organizers can host events. So players can go there, sign up, they can register their decks right on the website, which can be linked to their account, linked to the event that they sign up for. There's even a chat window to communicate with your opponent in the round. So if you are at a bigger event, let's say you're at a 50-60 person event, uh, you know, you have a chat box to you know say, Hey, I'm here, yada, yada, check in. Or let's just say you're in the bathroom and the events go live. You know, you can message your opponent real quick and say, Hey, I'm in the bathroom, I'll be in there in a second just creating less confusion if possible, but it's also really great for online tournaments, obviously. Uh, webcams, Pixelborn, you know, any which way. We've only seen it really utilized through the um, Pixelborn event so far, hosted by Lorcana Play Network themselves and now Thea. But all in all, I think Larkana Play Network is doing really great things. Their link to their uh, website will also be in the description below. Shout out to all involved. Um, it's really great to see more players kind of get into the game and do their best to try and support the game, get more eyes on the game. Thea brings a you know a very large crowd from Gwent and among other things. The scene this weekend was hosted by a lot of Marvel Snap friends uh, and of course um, Legends of Runeterra and games like that, DC Universe. All those games that like your online clients that most of these streamers stream a bunch on, they've also occasionally stream Pixelborn. And they were all casters on the event, so there was a lot of a lot of new eyes potentially on Lorcana this weekend, and I think that that's important to note. And I really want to just give a shout out to everyone involved for all of your commitments to the weekend. Great job, and I look forward to seeing more of it. To be all honesty, let's break into the actual decks in the event and really, really interesting tech cards that were found in Rubyam at this list this weekend. So the winner. Of the 282-player event was Aaron W. He's also a content creator known by Lorcona Twins. Uh, I will put the description for them also in the link in... I will put the link for them also in the description of this video. Yes, there will be so many links, but hey, let's discuss this deck because I am really, really excited about the layers of tech and choices and numbers in this deck list. First and foremost, Cusco. And Fidget are two cards that we do not see a bunch of in decks. Now, Fidget was in a top four deck from Galaxy Kong, which was like the first or second week of the Rise of the Floodborne metagame. It was played by a friend of the channel, Trent. Um, he is a friend in the Discord that always communicates. and He was actually playing Fidget in his list, so it's not the first time we've seen Fidget as a tech, but it's been a little while since anyone's really tried it out, and there's actually two Fidgets in top four. So it kind of talks to the strength of that card. We'll get to that in a second. Cusco is another great addition to this deck. Uh, I think that, you know, a lot of people kind of glorify stats on all characters because we live in this metagame where two willpower is not good enough in most cases. However, on a character that draws a card when it's banished, the willpower really doesn't matter. And his ability at any point in the game is good. A lot of things that I've seen um, very, very often in games is that when Ruby Amethyst misses its one drop, and now there are versions of the deck that play six or five or eight or, in this occasion, seven one drops. So missing your one drop isn't very common because you're generally mulligan for it. But when you do, it really, it really slows the deck down because now. Snake is normally only your only 2-drop in this deck, or LeFou occasionally in the Arthur versions, which we'll get into. But when you miss your 1, and then you only have Snake, and you can't play Snake, it means you can't do anything on 1 or on turn 2. Couscous plays the role that, on turn 2, he's a perfectly safe character to play. He does well into the Amber Amethyst decks still, because he can still take out all the 1-1 threats. Uh, he's still just a one-two. He can just quest for one lore, and when he goes away, he just goes away, and he gets to draw your card back. He actually pairs incredibly well with the other tech card in this deck, which is Crab, which we've seen more and more of over the the recent weeks, uh, being successful in multiple layers of top eight. So it's just another another layer onto this. I think Aaron took a did a really wonderful job of finding some of the best cards from all of the most recent decks. And finding a way to fit all of it into one list, and I, I really, I really commend him for it. I think it's a, it's, it's an attribute to the deck itself. And this might be like a version of that final form of this list with the amount of tech that he was able to fit into it. Uh, but the other layer that Cusco does is later on in the game. It's the perfect card to answer Lady Tremaine when you get into those post wheel turns or those post. Uh, be prepared turns and you're like let's just say it's turn nine well if your turn nine is play ursula take a lore, draw a card and then play Cusco, now you, like if they lady trimming you you just get to draw a card <laughs> like, it's so much it's so much worse for you and if they now force to be prepared you're like okay well i'll just draw a card off my Cusco anyway you used your whole turn to play be prepared and i drew two cards and took a lure from you still so it's not really like an effective time walk because you're able to gain so much card advantage off the cards that you just played and force them into playing a Be Prepared on an Ursula and a Cusco. Uh, so uh, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of good to come out of Cusco. If you haven't tried him yet in your Amethyst X, I definitely think you should. The last card here is, of course, the Spellbook. Uh, people live by it. People think it's bad. People think it's great. Think it, people think it's the only reason you can win mirror matches, People think it means nothing in mirror matches. Uh, I think it's a really, really interesting game state, in all honesty. Um, if you ask me my preference, I am not on Team Spellbook. I don't think you need the card. I think the deck does everything you want it to do anyway, and you would much rather have two more inkable cards. But it's not to say the card's not good. I, I It's very clearly good. It very clearly shows up in uh maybe a third of the successful ruby amethyst list so different players are finding different success with the card and that's great but do i think you absolutely need the card no do i think it's acceptable to play the card yes i just think it's one of those things that uh you know people are gonna just live by the sword die by the sword type scenario if they won it'll be because of it if they lost but because they didn't have it when realistically it could have been any number of things. All in all, huge shout out to Aaron. Uh, Great play. I I watched the finals that he played in. Um, I also watched his top four match that he played in. Uh, Played very, very well. And the deck, obviously very good. No shock to there. So let's check out the runner-up of the tournament. In a crowded virtual room of virtual tables of Ruby Amethyst swarming the top eight, Sapphire Steel still managed to take second place in this quite large event. Matthew Petal really showed off the true power and potential of this deck list. I do want to note, in my humble opinion, that this is not a deck that any player can simply pilot. I think it's a very difficult deck to manage, and I think it makes Matthew's success with the deck all the more prominent. Uh, this deck has the ability to flat-out rush opponents when seeing its best hands. But it also has the potential to just draw five uninkables in your opening hand and kind of pray that you can even get to turn five to even be able to start doing anything that's meaningful in the game if you either A, don't have a Fishbone Quill, or B, they're able to answer the Fishbone Quill. Uh, Both of those things are truly crucial. Popsicles finds another home, which is great, because I think Popsicles is a card that Almost every Sapphire deck should be considered in playing at this point. That's how powerful I think it is. Uh, not only does it replace itself, but the ability to repair damage on your characters should not go unnoticed. I think the key interesting cards in this particular list are the Nothing to Hide. Uh, you know, it was said in the event that the Nothing Hides were very good at Making an accurate decision as to whether or not you should wheel. I don't know if I agree with that statement in general. I think in most cases, it could be develop your brain. I think in all honesty, it should be develop your brain because I just believe that seeing more cards is more necessary more often than just knowing your opponent's hand. Explicitly in a world where your deck is mostly designed to a whole new world anyway, so you really shouldn't even care about your opponent's hand until after you make them discard it, and the chances are likely that to develop your brain early on in a game when you have bad hands and you need to find inkables, that seeing the second card is just a better odds of chance of getting the inkable that you're going to need or finding the Fishborn Quill that you're going to need, finding you know the five costs that you need to be able to play on four, All of those things, I think, are just far more important to me than the knowledge of your opponent's hand. But all in all, this list is solid. This list played well. It did really find itself in a clunky Game 3 in the finals. Uh, But throughout the tournament, you know, this deck ran hot. It ran well. And again, I just don't think that this deck is a pick them up and play it deck. It's definitely something that you need to put work into, it's a very difficult deck to pilot well. And in all honesty, it, it's exciting to see a list like this be successful because it does show some growth and change in the metagame. We've had some spikes of this uh, early on in December, but nothing really has come from that. Hopefully the spotlight that this tournament had, the amount of players it had, the success of this deck, maybe you will see a little bit more um, you know, versions of this list being successful moving forward. Here are three more of the Ruby Amethyst decks from the top eight. Uh, Two of these finished in top four, I believe. Kendall and Kyle were both top four competitors. Uh, Their lists are very, very close to the same. Very, very similar. Uh, You know, I think there's just a a couple different even numbers here. The key difference is Fidget. Um, Fidget versus Crab. And in particular, I believe Elsa. So, Elsa and Fidget come from Kyle's list, where they are not seeing any play or love from Kendall. Uh, Kendall just recently also top four a CM Games tournament that we reported on. I, I think this list is very, very similar to the same list he played that weekend. Well, I will say um, about this, you know, these two particular lists is the Fidget verse uh, Crab argument. I think that it's one of those where if you have fidget on turn 3 on the draw, it's definitely better than crab. 100%. Like I like there's there's not even a debate that I think it's better than crab 90% of the time. However, I think if you don't really have it in that particular spot, its use really falls off. Um, whereas crab can unexpectedly just turn games upside down. Uh, it, you know, one of the biggest takeaways for, you know, the steel matchups is that sad beast is really difficult to play with. And there aren't a lot of real good ways to answer it outside of just having Maui. But when you don't have Maui, you know, it's really difficult to interact with that card. Crab actually offers you another way out of it, which is really nice. Crab also offers way for an easier way to trade into Ursulas that are kind of unexpected as well. Um, So to me, the crab is a more universal card period where yes, in the mirror fidget on the draw to take out minis is probably great, but I will also say that if fidget is in the meta, it only means that teeth of ambitions just gets played less and unlike playing a card like Pascal or you know like any of the like other smaller, you know, um two cost characters or one cost characters with less than two willpower, you know, if your opponent, if you play Pascal and your opponent teeth and ambitions your Pascal in the mirror, you're like, okay, well, like I at least I still got a like a, a mana cost, uh, you know, an ink cost reduction on that. But if they're teething you know, if they exhaust their snake, deal two damage to their snake, and then take out your, your three costs, that's really bad for you, because you just got time walked, uh, and they still have like resources to utilize, they beat you even if they flat out just play it, so it's kind of tough. I, I, I do think that there's a portion of times where the card's going to be very, very good, but I also think there's a portion of times where the card's probably not going to be very good. Um... All in all, I think it just speaks to that, like the creativity of like the idea that there are so many ways to round out the sixty-card list of Ruby Amethyst. That a card like Fidget being successful is really, really interesting. I just don't know how long it'll like be able to hold weight in a metagame that's more expected of it. I just think that more of the Ruby Amethyst decks will be more comfortable going back up to four teeth, and it, like it's not going to really affect anything else. So, I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I, I think it's a really interesting part in the metagame. Let's take a look at the other list, though, real quick. Uh, so, the other top eight list was by Kai. Uh, Kai was now playing the... What is... I would consider um, the Ruby, Amethyst, Arthur control list because we're still going to be prepared here. We still have Lady Tremains. Um, You know, we, the, the, the real key takeaway is that we're not playing Maleficent Monstrous Dragons, so we're just not going all the way up there. But this list does uh, have a little bit similar of an impact. It reminds me of the top eight decks from Packs Unplugged that were Arthur and Lefou decks. Uh, this deck was just playing Star Attraction rather than Helping Hand, which was the Exert Pinocchio. But all in all, I think it's a it's a it's a nice interpretation of that. It's nice to see Arthur still be successful within the meta game in the Ruby Amethyst decks. I do honestly believe that you know arthur is a pretty good card in the mirror match there aren't a ton of answers to it that are being like played in that high succession and like with the lefou combo uh it's it's almost nearly impossible for any of the ruby amethyst mirrors to really kind of deal with arthur whatsoever outside of just having teeth and ambitions for the lefou but you can definitely protect Arthur from multiple turns and, and just have a kind of a three lord character in play for as long as you need it that gets you extra, you know, abilities on your rabbits, extra abilities on your goats, and kind of just like whatever else you really need to stick around. If you're even if you're picking up your minis or your Olafs for ink later on, like it just has a lot of real use in the mirror match that the three health in the mirror match is important. It's it's a big deal. It's really, really hard to, to kind of get around that card. And explicitly, if they do not have teeth and ambitions and cannot answer LeFou, uh, you can honestly just kind of forlore every single turn being very, very uncontested. Three different shades of Ruby Amethyst right here. Uh, the winning list was kind of everything, uh, playing a little bit of tech from just about every single list. Instead of having so many straight four ofs, there was a lot of cutdowns on threes and twos, and really just managed numbers really well and making like just straight decision points on what was important in the overall metagame and in mirror matches. I I think it's a real true testament to what Ruby Amethyst is able to do in the metagame. It's, it's a really, really functional deck. It's, it's just high functional consistency. Uh, And I just, I cannot fault anyone for saying I'm going to play in a big event this weekend. Uh, This is the most consistent deck in the game. I'm going to bring it. Do I think that there's high power options like, you know the sapphire steel deck that was in finals yes i do I, I think they are great powerful decks but the consistency of it the difficulty level of playing those decks is also playing a key factor here i think ruby amethyst has a high skill cap in the sense of making the right decisions in the mirror match uh knowing when to play your threats and when is too much i think there's a lot of that decision making but the overall landscape of the deck itself is much easier to pilot. Then some of these other steel decks, even Amber Steel Flute, even uh, Amethyst Steel, uh, the Sapphire Steel, like all of those decks, I think are really difficult to play and play well. And they all have a consistency factor because the hands can kind of blow up in their face with inkables and things like that. They just can't easily get out of it as well as this deck does. And none of them have the protection of be prepared as kind of like that final hug. Uh so I I just think that's why you're gonna continuously see Ruby Amethyst being played in true succession here. Uh one more final look. I just wanted to take a look at the you know the overall landscape of where the inks were by design this weekend. As you can see here, 18 amethyst decks, 15 Ruby decks, eight steel decks, two amber decks, and then one emerald, one sapphire. We talk about the diversity of the game a bunch. And right now, the only true diversity in the game is what flavor of Ruby Amethyst are you playing and why. Uh, I just, I can't get past this, guys. I think that it's really showing up to be just a problematic thing in this metagame. And I'm hoping to start seeing some signs of life for changes because right now, uh, even with the higher upticks and success of this deck here, this deck there, it's... The numbers are just insane at this point. They're not going away. They're actually getting higher. We're getting close to 60% of all top eight decks are Ruby Amethyst, which is a number I didn't think we were going to get to. I was pretty comfortable when we were at 50%. It was probably going to go down, but that's not the case here. It just keeps going up, actually, and it's definitely... I I, I can't see a line where it's going to go down. So I think it's definitely something that needs to keep being discussed, and I, I think it's a healthy discussion about where the game is and and how we can really get to the next point. I'd love to know your guys thoughts and in, in, honestly in the comments. Let me know what your thoughts are on currently on the health of this meta game if you're if you're upset by it, if you think it has a chance to change, if is it really just more players need to play other decks and try and find more success like I'd love to really know what people really think about this current meta game. Uh, because right now, for me, it's difficult to see any world in which playing Ruby Amethyst at an event is just not the best decision you can be making. Almost all the time. I don't know. Hit me up in the comments. Uh, all in all, guys, you know, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Huge, huge shout out to all of the tournament organizers this week. Uh Big B weekend for Larkana to start 2024. Over 350 players uh, signed up through three events, which is a it's a great sign. Yes, it was carried by. 282 player tournament but hey 282 plus 95 plus 50 or plus 66 is actually over 400 i think if my math is quick if it's not you know you can roast me for it in the comments all in all uh really really fun week uh and it's, it's great to see some of these more tech iterations of ruby amethyst seeing how people are approaching the mirror match is kind of where we're at right now uh seeing some life from other decks which is great steel kind of getting in there with Three different versions, Amber, Amethyst, Sapphire, all good signs. Uh, If more players can find success with these decks, we can start having more of a conversation of where the game is actually heading towards. But right now, I think the, the crucial conversation is what flavor of Ruby Amethyst are you bringing to your next tournament? And if you're not, why? Thanks again so much. Enjoy this video right here if you're looking for more matter reports. We do them every single week, and I will catch you guys in the next video.